Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you could turn to the book of Acts, we are in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We have been walking through a series in the book of Acts. I've enjoyed that series, right? Acts chapter 1, 2, and 3 are some of the most exciting chapters in the scriptures, and they completely connect to us today. Thank you, brother. Uh, because we are living still in the book of Acts, right? We are still, do you mind opening this room? We are still living in the book of Acts. We are, um, if Acts could continue on, uh, there would be chapters, you know, 30, 31, 32, 33, because we are still living in this book today. And because the Holy Spirit is still working the same way he did in chapters one and two, he's still working the same way today in our life, right? And so thank, we praise the Lord. Robert's been te- teaching and preaching a fabulous message, but I'm going to read to you some scriptures out of Acts chapter 3. So if you could stand, please, as we read through the Word of God this morning. We'll be in verse 11, and I will also be reading uh, through, uh, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Thank you, Jay. I didn't, you put it so nicely the way the English Standard Version is written, but please, you follow along in your favorite Uh, translation this morning. Verse 11, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the God of your fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, this is your word. This is truth. Help me to love it. Help me to learn it. And help me to live it. Put it deep within my heart and soul that it will change the way I think. It will change what I want. And it will change what I do to make me more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. This morning's title of the message is, Why Do You Stare at Us? Why Do You Stare at Us? And you can find that there in verse 12 when um, Peter asked the people, Why do you stare at us? And hopefully we can answer that question this morning through the message. But first of all, you know, we'll just talk about that. We'll just talk about people staring, right? Do you, do you stare at people, right? Do you ever just kind of look at people? Come on, be honest, right? You do. I think we all do. We like to look at people. That's all right, because God created everybody different. You know, I think about, uh, I get to travel all around the world and see different people who speak different languages, have different customs, eat different food. You guys may have seen some of the food I've had to eat, but... Um, but yeah, but you know what? With the beauty of that is I have found people. Well, I was recently, back in January, 
I was in a, uh, it was in Th- I was in Thailand. I was up on this mountain, and we were at this church, literally on top of a mountain. The floor was dirt. They had a thatch roof, and inside of that were people that wore all this decorative dress, and actually had uh, uh, metal beads on their on their hats. And there was another group that wore a different type kind of decorative dress, and they were also worshiping in this same church. And it was me and a group from California who were just wearing street clothes, right? Not as decorative. Uh, and we were worshiping together in the same church, and we were speaking to them through interpreters, and I was just admiring their dress and asking them about their food, and uh, just it was just beautiful because as I was talking to them, I would speak to them as if I'd known them forever, as if they were family members, because we were, right? We were family in Christ, and I came away from that thinking, you know, I'm more, I'm more connected to these folks that look different and talk different than I am, even to some of my own family members, right? Because of our relationship uh, in the body of Christ. And I thought, wow, but I just enjoy just the difference of who they were. I remember uh, Toby and I went to Philippines uh, one year and, and just enjoyed going there and visiting uh, people from the Philippines and, and learning about their customs. And I remember one time, remember the, the time in the Philippines, brother, when we, um, we went to a house and we found on, in a house, uh, there was, a, we were visiting Christian brothers and sisters, and there in the house was a trophy and it was the most humble award. And somebody in that, that family had won the most humble award. Do you remember that? And I thought, wow, that's fascinating because I have never, I've searched far and wide for the most humble person and I found them right there in the Philippines in that, that little house, right? I was like, man, I wonder what they had to do to win that most humble award. I thought, man, I would love to beat out everybody for that most, I'm kidding, I, I wouldn't be very humble, would it? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was just beautiful. And, and you know, and, and I'm kind of getting off topic here, but you know, as a church and just to, to, to share with you some of the plans for this church and what we want to do is I hope, I hope that this church will be a church that will get to take trips to different places of the world or different places of the country that you and I can meet different people, you know, and, and, and brothers and sisters in Christ where you can go and encourage them. But I promise you, you will come back more encouraged, right? because you get to learn their stories. It's beautiful to look at people and to enjoy people because God created us the way that he did. But here are just a couple reasons why though people stare at people. Some people, unfortunately, I don't like to talk about this, but it's true. Some people stare at you to look at your flaws, right? Yeah, you, you don't do that though, right? <laughs> you don't look at others to, to find out their flaws. But a lot of people though will look at you and they will stare at you because they will try to measure themselves to you to see if you are better than them. And if you are better than them, they don't like you, right? But if you're better than them, you like them. <laughs> right? right, And that's kind of why people stare at each other because it's through staring at others and finding out the deficiencies in others that make some people feel righteous. And that's just as bad of self-righteousness as those who are, who are religious, who are uh, legalistic. But there's another group of people that will stare and that we just talked about. They will stare at you because they admire you. They, they appreciate you. They see something in you that they like and they enjoy that. And in in many ways, that's almost a a way of worship because you were created by God. God made you the way you are and they're looking at you and they're seeing the godliness of your life come out and they're saying, that is beautiful, that is wonderful. Have you ever stopped and looked at somebody and appreciated who they are, right? I, I knew someone who did that and they said they loved to go to the mall you know, the mall is a place to look at people. And uh, they sit at the food court and they said they just sit there and they watch people uh, as they come in and they just look at them. And, and they told me they do it, you know, not, to, to, not to, to, uh, uh, to find their flaws, but they just look and they pray for people as they come in and they go out and they just enjoy who they are. And, and in many ways, the story that we read today is just that. Here you have Peter and John just did this, 
wonderful miracle for this, uh, this beggar. And they were able to uh, bring healing through the power of God into this beggar's life. And the people now, as we get to verse 11, they are staring, they're looking and they're going, wow, look what just happened. The, the, um, the, the King James Version says that they, they look so earnestly. They look so earnestly. The New American Standard says they, they gazed. You know, so here we get, though, that they're not just glancing. They're just not saying, look at just what happened. Their eyes are fixed, and they are in wonder, and they are in amazement at what just happened here. As I shared with you, though, the, the, uh, the, t- the, the title of the sermon, Why Do You Stare at Us? Let's just switch that and let's personalize that this morning. The, the why do you, and I'm going to define the you in that statement, in that title or that scripture as the unbelieving world. Because we know that those who are watching are those who Peter has already said had already denied Christ. So these are folks that deny Jesus. They deny Christ. You and I live and work around people that deny Jesus. That they do not want to have a relationship with God. They don't believe in him or they're not interested in following him. So the you, so why do you or the unbelieving world, why do you stare at us. And who are the us? The us is Peter and John. It's Peter making the statement. He's saying, you are staring at us. And we'll find out that Peter is trying to say, you're staring at the wrong person, right? But the us here is going to be you and I, those of us who have faith in Jesus, those of us whose lives have been changed by the gospel through the personal encounter with Jesus Christ. How many of you could say this morning, I met Jesus and my life has never been the same since I encountered Jesus just like this beggar did. Amen, right? I am completely changed. If you had known me before, you would have not recognized the person that's standing here today. My life has been radically changed because God did the same work in my life that he did into in the life of this crippled beggar. I think of uh, I know he wouldn't want me to, to point it out, but Dave Brown yesterday, while some of us were uh, at home doing what we do at home, Brother David Brown was out yesterday driving around delivering food and praying for other people in the community as he delivered food to them. People were staring at David. People who did not believe in Jesus, who denied Jesus, they were staring at David Brown yesterday. Pastor Robert last week pointed out that Levi, and I don't mean to keep, you know, Levi, um, we're we're bragging about you, brother, because we're proud of you. But Levi is now publishing, he's putting online video blogs for his generation, for those who deny Jesus. He is putting on on video, broadcasting it on social media, uh, uh, topics uh, about how God wants to, how to follow Jesus among his generation. Now, there are people that are going to watch that who are deniers, who are going to see that, and now they're going to stare at you, Levi. They're staring at that. They're watching at that. I think of Tony Love. He tells me all the time stories. He's not bragging. He's just saying, this week, I got to pray with a man at work. I got to encourage him about how to stay strong in, in his marriage or you know, how, to, how to resist some kind of temptation in his life. And he just tells me how he encourages them and prays, offers to pray for them. Now, the people that you work with, Brother Tony, they, because you did that, they are staring at you. You follow me this morning? So you, so the question, why do they, why do those who don't believe in Jesus, why are they staring at you that are in this place this morning? Why are they staring at you? And we're going to walk through the reasons this morning as we go through the scripture. Please keep your Bible open. I love to kind of just uh, keep us in, in the word this morning. But reason number one, if you're taking notes today, why do they stare at us. Reason number one is found in verse 12. Look at verse 12 with me. It says, and and when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. He said, why do you wander 
at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power, our own power or piety, we have made him walk. The reason number one, why people stare at you and I, why people stared at Peter and John was because they see power in us. Say power with me this morning. Come on, you gotta say power, power. Right, say power, power is powerful, (laughs) right? I love the word power. Listen, if you belong to Jesus and you're following the Lord, you have power inside of you. The people, it says they were in wonder. One translation says amazement. And one translation says marvel, right? Before Marvel Comics was cool, right? (laughs) They were already demonstrating, right? The marvelous power that they had seen in the people of God, in Peter and John. They had never seen this kind of power before. People are looking into your life and they're saying, I have never seen power like that before. Why? Because they feel weak. They're weak. They are losing their battles. They're fighting their battles, but they are losing their battles right? They're they're pretending and they're wearing a mask like everything is good, but they feel powerless. If I just make more money, if I just look better, if if I just work harder, right? If I'm just more educated, then yeah, I will, I will finally win, but they are losing. They're losing and they feel weak and they feel powerless. And when they see you, they marvel because they see something in you that is powerful. Think about what just happened in the previous story that Pastor Robert read to us last week. He said the the beggar, right, that it said that he went jumping and leaping and praising God. He went jumping and leaping and praising God. This power that, that God worked through Peter and John. Of course, Peter and John saying, wait, 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 wait. This is not my power. This is God's power. And what is God's power? Well, well, the first thing we see in that encounter with the beggar is that he jumped, right? That something, this, 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 this beggar was broken from birth. He had his bones and his muscles did not work. But the power from God was a power that made his bones, his organs, his physical body strong. And it says he was able to get up and he could jump. But it also said that he was leaping. He was leaping. All right, you guys built this stage pretty good right? He was leaping. So it was more than just his physical body coming back together. But you and I, if anybody is in in medical science, you know that if someone who was born physically disabled, that, that, that it's a mental thing just to be able to, not just to heal what's broken, but to be able to send signals to the brain to, to walk, right? You know, so you need more than just physical healing, but we know that this beggar was, was mentally healed and emotionally healed because not only could he stand up, but it says he could jump right away. He didn't need physical therapy, right? He didn't need years long worth of, of, of training how to send signals to the brain to be able to leap, but he was jumping, he was leaping, and it says he was what? Praising God. So not only was he healed physically, not only was the power to heal him physically, but the power healed him mentally. It healed him emotionally, but he was praising God. It restored his relationship with God. No longer was he sitting there complaining about how bad he, he was and how much better everyone else was. No longer was he upset at others or blaming others, but this man went from being broken to being healed to being uh, reunited with God. And the Bible says he went jumping and leaping and praising God. That is the power of God that you possess in your life that God worked through Peter and John. And that is the power of God that he wants to use in us. Now, I know this, uh, this power, Peter and John had seen this power before. If you want to flip, flip, flip real fast over to Matthew chapter 10. You, you know this story. You've seen this story. I love this story, though. I love this story. I'm not going to read the whole part. You can read it 
on your own. But in Matthew chapter 10, verse one, look at that with me. It says, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them what? He gave them what? Or what? Power. That authority or power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to what? Heal every disease and every affliction. That's when you say, amen, hallelujah, glory to God, right? He gave them power and authority over unclean spirits, over every disease and every affliction. Go down to verse seven, it says, and proclaim as you go saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do what? Verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out the demons. This is the power that Jesus gave to his disciples, to his followers. You and I, if we are followers of Jesus, if we are disciples of Jesus, then you and I also have this same, it's not our power, it's not my inherent power. No, it's a power, it's an authority that God gave to you and I, a power over sickness, a power over evil, a power over every affliction that you and I possess through Jesus Christ. That's the power that lives in you. That's the power that lives in me. That's why God has you here and saved you because God has a plan to use that power for them to stare at you in wonder and amazement so that they will come to the knowledge of Christ. I've seen this power as I listen to stories all over the world. There's a brother uh, in Indonesia. He's your brother. Your brother in Indonesia had to build a, a thicker wall in his sanctuary because he lives in a Muslim community. And the Muslims were complaining that when he cast the evil spirits out of the people that they send to him, that it's too loud and they can't get any sleep. But yet they're the ones that send them to him. There's a, there's a brother... Uh, in, uh, in Laos, your brother, in Laos, in, a, in, in strict Buddhist, he said, that the Buddhist, that if, when I pray in Jesus' name, if the people are not healed, I don't have a ministry, and they will probably stone me to death. And so if Jesus does not heal the people, then I'm in trouble. If the power doesn't show up, I'm in trouble. Whew. I think uh, there's another brother in Myanmar and I got this story as I left back in January, and he's, he's got tears streaming down his face, and he's saying, listen, he goes, he goes, I'm telling you, I can take you to a place right now on the border of China, on the border. And these are people that do not have access to health care. They don't have access to education. They have no, no public services whatsoever. But I'm telling you, when you walk into that village, these people, if there is anything that you need, if you're sick, if, if you're mentally upset, if there's something wrong with you, they will pray with you in the name of Jesus and God will answer the prayer every time. He said they have to live in the power and there is a revival happening on that border because the power of God is there. Brother Anthony uh, uh, Wood gave me a book recently and it uh, talked about, it, it talks about, the title of it is called Scattered and it's basically saying that here in America, we focus a whole lot on the gathered church, meaning that what, you know, what we do as a gathered body, and we put a lot of our effort and energy, which is good. We love our times of gathering, right? We missed it for a few months, and now we're back together, and we're worshiping together. There's a power here when we gather together. Wouldn't you agree? There's a joy. There's a hope, but, but, but what we're missing today in America, what America needs today is a scattered church, a church that gathers, that comes together to build one another up, but we build each other up for the purpose of sending each other out to our workplaces, to our neighborhoods, to our homes, to our communities, and we take the power that we receive in building one another up and we bring it out to our communities. Wouldn't that be good? That's, who we, that's what we want to be. That's why we started this church, folks. We didn't start this church to be another gathered community. There's tons of them here. And they have great music. They have great lights and smoke and, and fireworks. I don't know what they have. But, you know, 
There's a lot of good gathered places that you can go and gather and gather and gather. But God, make Riverstone a church that scatters. That brings this power that we just don't sit and enjoy it right here. But we take it and we bring it not just to, the, to, the, to Hollymead or, or to Forest Lakes. But we take it to the ends of the earth. Scatter us, oh God, to bring salvation in this power around the world. There's another reason why they stared at them. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. They stared at them because they see, they saw their faith in Jesus. They stared at them because they saw their faith in Jesus. They stare at you because they see your faith in Jesus. Look at verse 13. It says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release them. But you what? Denied the holy and righteous one, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you did what? You killed. I said that in my strong southern accent. Sorry about that. You killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. See, they stare at you because of your faith in Jesus because they deny Jesus. The rest of the world that are not following Jesus, they're not following him because they deny Jesus because they're doubters. They doubt that the, that the, the Jesus that you serve is, is the real true God. They see all these other gods and all these other religions. And when they hear of anything that's religious, they immediately just cringe and like, oh, I don't want to be restricted by religion. That's only for those who are ignorant and closed minded. And so they doubt, they deny, they doubt, they're confused because, again, they they know there's so many religions that which religion is the right and true religion? Why should I serve Jesus? And they watch the cartoons that come on that picture Jesus and they make Jesus out to be some foolish character. And that's the only Jesus they know. Folks, I'm telling you, we live, most of you who are older than me, that you grew up in a world that in some way or some form, you were exposed to church or the teaching of scripture and the Bible. And so you're here today. You're like, I don't know why the rest of the world can't appreciate Jesus. And I'll tell you why, because everybody younger than you, many of them today may not have ever stepped foot in a church and the Jesus that they know may be a Jesus that the media or the culture wanted them to know about. They don't know the Jesus you know. They're, they're ignorant to that Jesus. You know the living Jesus and you can complain about them. You, you can, you, 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 uh, but you've got to pray for them and you've got to be willing to share the true Jesus with them. The Jesus, you've got to tell them your story. But they, they look at you and they see your faith in Jesus and everyone around them denies Jesus. The, the society, the culture, deny, their, their, their favorite actress or actor denies Jesus. Their favorite athlete or politician denies Jesus. That their best friends deny Jesus. And their workplace is denying Jesus. Their school is denying Jesus. Their teachers or professors are denying Jesus. Everything they watch, or they listen to and read denies Jesus. And they're surrounded by a world that denies Jesus. And they look at you with your faith in Jesus and they stare at you in marvel and amazement and wonder and they say why with all of the world denying Jesus why do you have faith in Jesus that I paint a picture for you they think you're foolish they think you're ridiculous but there are some that are looking at you and they're scratching their head and wonder and amazement and they're thinking what if they're right They have faith that I don't have. I am filled with confusion. I am filled with doubt. I am filled with denial. But yet we have a problem in our society today because we we want to, we try our best to keep 
our faith secret and our schools and our places of employment uh, because people don't talk about Jesus. If you talk about Jesus, you're going to cause uh, you're going to you're going to get up. People are going to get upset and we're going to have to let you go. We're going to have to expel you from school. We're going to have to uh, reprimand you. We're going to have to ostracize you. You can't come to family gatherings anymore if you talk about Jesus. And so we've been uh, we, we, we've been succumbed to these threats all around us to keep our faith hidden, to, to stay in the closet with our faith. Because we don't want people to know who we really are. We want to keep our faith secret when this story tells us that Peter and John, in the midst of a society that they knew their Savior had just been crucified, the very God that they served had just been murdered. It was the most hostile environment ever to be a believer. But yet Peter and John, in the midst of a great crowd, stood up before the people and they said, it was faith in Jesus that made this man strong. The believer that desires to have a strong life is the the believer that is unashamed of their faith in Jesus. Listen, people around you do not want you to talk about Jesus. And Jesus told us that. In John chapter 3, right, the famous chapter that for God so loved the world chapter. But verse 20, if we read on after verse 16, he said, for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. You make people uncomfortable when you talk about Jesus. And you're, you're talking about it harmlessly. Now, maybe some of you that are going around like yeah, my, my grandma did and said, hey, Chris, if you don't act right, you're going to go to hell. You know, it's kind of... Yeah. But when you talk about Jesus and you'll go up to him and say, hey, you know, Jesus loves you. He made you, created you with the plan and purpose. He wants to save you, forgive your sins. He wants to be with you for the rest of your life and give you eternal life. What's wrong with that message? <laughs> That's a beautiful message. That's a hopeful message. But people are so offended by it. It doesn't make reasonable sense that someone, if you told them that there was a God who made them and loves them and wants to forgive them and give them eternal life and take care of them for the rest of their life, you'd seem like everybody like, woo! But people are so offended by it. It's because your faith in Jesus is a powerful, powerful thing that they are staring at that bothers them. That's why we need to be very, very transparent about our faith in Jesus. It was faith that made this man strong, the scripture says. It was faith that gave this man perfect health. Your faith in Jesus may not be popular. People may threaten you. People may try to intimidate you. People may ridicule you. People may tell you that you are ignorant and that you are closed-minded. But you have to understand, it's your faith in Jesus that will make you strong. It's your faith in Jesus that will lead you and keep you in perfect health. It's your faith in Jesus that will overcome evil every single time. And when they're in trouble and they're desperate, who are they going to call? You. You. Luke chapter 12, verse 8 and 9 says, I say to you, everyone who confesses me before man, the Son of Man will confess him before the angels of God. I'm telling you, when you walk in faith in Jesus and you're not ashamed and people at work know you belong to God and people at your school know you belong to God and they see you reading your Bible and you, they hear you offering prayers for them and they see you. I'm not saying you got to wear, wear T-shirts that says, get saved, bro, or anything like that. I'm just saying you got to live out your faith unashamed of who God is. And they know you're living for Jesus. They know you're, you will walk with the extra pep in your step. Because you will know that your God in heaven is confessing you before angels. He's saying, look at my body. Look at my, my son right there. Go to his workplace unashamed of what he believes in. Look at my daughter who's going to school when everybody else is making fun of her. But you know what? She's confessing me before man. And I'm confessing her before you. And I'm going to be with her. And I'm going to walk with her. And I'm going to make her strong. I'm going to keep her in perfect health. That's the power of faith. People will stare at you. 
when you walk in faith. Dear God, I pray for this church, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, we will not be ashamed of Jesus. That, Father, we will be a church that boldly proclaims you throughout our community and throughout this land, Jesus. Oh, that when people walk through those doors, they will hear Jesus more than any other name in this church. They will know that we belong to you, Jesus, and we'll be proud of it. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that may be in that place, Lord, where they're, they want to follow you completely and fully. But God, there's so much pressure from the outside world, either from a relationship or from their workplace or their, or their peers that is pulling them. And they don't want to really come out and say, I belong to Jesus. Oh, God, I pray, Father, that you will work through them right now and that you, Lord, will minister to them the faith that they need to trust in you for everything. Amen. One last thing this morning, one other reason. The reason they stared at Peter and John is that they, they saw life in Peter and John. They saw life in them. The reason why people stare at you, those who deny Jesus, the reason they stare at you is because they see life in you. Life in you. Verse 4 said, going back to the, the previous story of last week, notice this. Look at verse 4. It says, but Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him. They stared right at him. So you, you, go, you kind of tell the author here is trying to zero in on staring, staring, right? So they fixed his gaze on the beggar and said, and, and, and they said to the beggar, what? Look at us. Stare at us, right? Peter and John said to the beggar, stare at us. And he began to give them his what? Attention, his stare. He's staring at them. And when he saw them, it says expecting to what? Receive something from them. And of course, we know that. But Peter said, I do not possess silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, right? And so here we see the story of staring. It continues on into the text that you and I read. A lot of staring is uh, going on. But when the beggar looks at Peter and John, Peter and John knew that they didn't have anything in their pocket to give. All right, Pete, um, Robert's already preached that message. But Peter and John knew, though, that they had life living in them. They had this hope that was living in them that others could see. And so they had the, uh, the, the wherewithal to say, look at us. And as that man began to look at Peter and John, he began to say, you know what? They are going to give me something. They're going to give me something. And maybe he was thinking literal silver or gold. But as they began to give him what they did have, that man began to believe because that man began to see the life, the new life living inside of Peter and John. And healing, new life came to that man. He jumped, he leaped, he praised God, right? And that's exactly what the world sees in you and I. The rest of the world, they're looking all around for something that will give them hope. They're, look, they're hoping that maybe a better government will give them hope, right? Right now, we're in the middle of a, a political uh, a, a campaign, and, and right now, everybody, well, if we vote for this person, they'll do it. If we vote for that person, no, but you know what? How many times have you voted thinking that government was going to make everything perfect and right for you? Did it work out for you? No. You just waited the next four years, right? The government is not going to give you what you need or what you're hoping. You're looking for, for a better relationship. You know, you're, you're looking for, for maybe another stimulus check. <laughs> you're looking, right, for a better s series on Netflix that you're just hoping that something is going to give you some new life and some new hope. But it, it's only exciting at first, and then it wears off after a while. But when Jesus came into your life, somebody got it. When Jesus came into your life. Let me read a verse to you. You love this verse. And Pete, this is Peter's, this is Peter's book, right? Later, Peter writes a book. <laughs> and it's first, it's two books. And the first book, first Peter chapter one, he starts out this first book that he writes and listen to what he wrote. First Peter chapter one, verse three, you know, this verse already, one of my favorite verses, but blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy 
has caused us to be born again. Born again to a living hope. I am born again. Who are you a Christian? Do you follow Jesus? Yes, but I follow Jesus and I am a Christian because one day I was a hopeless soul. I was looking for a better relationship. I was looking for more money. I was looking for more success and couldn't find it anywhere. But one day I went to to a church service and a man told me that Jesus could give you new life and I received it. And that day, Chris Chapel on April 7th, 1997, was born again to a living hope that has not stopped giving me life to this day I have life I have life and I'm just a boy from Bunn North Carolina grew up around a whole bunch of tobacco fields you know but today God has taken this new life and this new hope all around this world and I'm nothing special I'm nothing great but I just go around and love people and pray for people and tell them Jesus will save them and Jesus will give them new life and I pray for people to be healed and I pray for people to be set free and I stand up in front of people like you and tell them the scriptures but people just come and stare at me they just stare at me and they see new life in me and they get hope from me and some people come to Jesus through me Just like they came through Peter. Just like they came through Peter. The unbelieving world needs to see your hope. Let's go ahead and close, man. The unbelieving world needs to stare at you. They need to stare at you this morning. Because living inside of you is a living hope. Living inside of you is a power that overcomes demonic spirits and evil forces. Yeah, you. Who, me? Yeah, you. Living inside of you is a faith in Jesus. A faith in Jesus that you you believe in Jesus to even move mountains out of your way. You have a faith in him that he's going to be with you even through the darkest times when everyone else is panicking. Everyone's wondering, is the pandemic going to destroy us? Am I going to lose all my money? Is the other political party or this political party going to win and destroy everything? You know, am I going to lose my spouse? Am I going to, am I going to lose my house? Am I going to lose my job? The whole world is panicking. They're worried. They're afraid. They're upset. But you, you say No. Jesus is going to take care of me. God's going to walk with me. God's going to help me. I've seen worse and I've seen better, but I know that Jesus has always walked through me, even in the valley of death, even as I walk through the floods, even when I walk through the fire, God is always going to be with me. People need to see your faith in Jesus. People need you to believe in the power of God over their sickness and disease and their evil situation. People need you to be a voice of hope Hope in a world that's fallen apart. The world will try to pull you down in its battles. People of God, people of God, people of God, let Riverstone be a place where our people were not pulled into all the drama of the world, that we don't fight the same battles they fight. Out of our mouths don't come the same words of cursing that come out of their mouths. Oh, people of God, I pray that Riverstone Church is a people that speaks the words of life and words of healing and words of blessing and not cursing. Let us be that kind of church in the midst of this political turmoil that we're in right now. That will be something of hope that people will say, I want to go to that church because when I walk in there, there's a power, there's a hope, there's a faith that I don't get anywhere else. Oh God, that my family would be a family where there's power and there's hope and there's faith. That my life would be a life where there's hope, where there's faith. Where there's power. Let that be of me, oh God. Because listen, Peter and John said, you know, what do you see? What are you staring at? We're just two humans. We're just like you. A few months, a few years ago, we were just fishermen. You knew us, remember? We were pulling in the hall. You didn't pay attention to us then. You didn't even stare at us back then. 
But now all of a sudden you're staring us. Well, let me let you, let me let you know something. That it's not by my piety. It's not because I'm a religious person. It's not because I went to Bible college. It's not because I can quote the scriptures better than anybody. Or I can sing the songs better than anybody. But the only reason that you're staring at me today is because of the power of God. It is God working through me. God saved you. God saved you today. Not because he wanted you to be more of you. He saved you because he knew that you would let him display his power display his glory, display his faith to the world around us. That's why you exist. You are here for the sole purpose that in this day and in this time and in this season that God can use you, that you can heal the sick, that you can raise the dead. That's why you're here today. That's why you exist and why he saved you. So if you're knocked down today, get up. If you were, if you were doubting denying. Go ahead and turn around and turn to Jesus. If you were weak, call out to his strength. Because God wants to use you like he used Peter and John. Let's pray. Father, this morning, oh, shut up. Let's go ahead and stand if we can this morning. Right now, I want you in your own words, in your own way to go ahead and call out to Jesus. What do you need for him today? What is it that you need? Are you weak today that there's power to make you strong, just like this beggar? If you are weak today, I want you to say, God, I'm weak, and go ahead and be honest with Jesus. Stop trying to hide it. Stop trying to deny it. I need you right now in, 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 in full of faith and say, Jesus, I need you to make me strong here, oh God. This is where I am weak, oh Lord. Go ahead, call out his name. I don't, hear any, I don't hear anybody calling out to him. Come on, lift up your voice to Jesus. Let him know what you need. He's right here with us today. He's right here among us. He's standing next to you. When you called his name, he got close to you. Go ahead and call him one more time. He's going to take one more step. Jesus, oh, touch me, God. Heal me, God. Fill me, Lord. God, I'm weak. I need your help today. If you're online right now in your own room, go ahead and call out to Jesus. Oh, I need your strength and your healing in my body. God, you've given us power over the evil. You've given us power over sickness and disease. If this morning you, are, you have disease or affliction in your body, call out to Jesus today. Say, God, heal me, Lord. You are my healer. Oh, God, touch my body. Touch my mind. I need healing in me right now, Lord. Come on, don't be ashamed. Use faith in Jesus. Peter and John wasn't worried about who was standing beside them. They weren't worried about what others would say about them. In faith, they said, Jesus made this man strong. Jesus gave this man perfect health. If you need him to touch you right now, go ahead and reach out to him. Come on, come on, come on. I still think he's doing a work here. I'm not trying to make this longer than it should, but I sense in my spirit that he's still working. He's still working. Press in. You got to press in. Grandma taught me that, son, you got to press in when you pray. You got to pray until something happens. You got to push. You got to push. There's a release. There's a praying through. Come on, church. Pray through. Press in. Press in. He's here. I know he's here. I know he's here. Reach your hand out to him. Reach your hand out to them. If you know somebody right now in this church, begin to pray for them. Begin to agree in prayer with them for their need. If you're here today, if you're here today, and may, maybe, maybe you, you, you've been a believer and you're here because you've always gone to church on Sunday and you want to do right, you want to do right, but it's so hard. There's so much pressure from others, from your peers, from your peers to, to really come out and say, I belong to Jesus and I'm going to follow his plan and I'm going to do what he wants me to do. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do. But there's so much pressure, so much pressure. But this morning, there is something going on in your heart right now. 
and you're saying, you know what? I'm tired of living that way. There's no power living that way. Lord, there's so much confusion living that way. I dare you this morning. I challenge you in the name of Jesus to turn your heart and life to Jesus this morning and say, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to tell everybody that I belong to God. I'm going to get baptized. Everybody's going to know. I'm going to invite my friends and my family because I'm going to live for God. Go ahead right now. That shoe, slip up your hand. Slip up your hand. I want to see you this morning. That's me, Pastor Chris. Go ahead, slip up your hand. That's me. I'm ready to live for God. I see hands. Maybe you have never asked Jesus into your heart, and this is the first time you have given your life to God, but today you're saying, I want to live for Jesus. I want to follow his plan for my life. Go ahead. If that's you, slip up your hand. Slip up your hand. Slip up your hand. I see it. I see it. I see it. Slip up your hand. And maybe you're here today because you find yourself in a hopeless situation. You're saying, I am in the battle of my life. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Oh, I need hope, Chris. I need hope, please. I want you to right now to look up to Jesus and I want you to say, God, I need, I need, I need hope right now. I need new life in me. I feel like I'm losing. I need right now, I need hope. I need victory in my life. I believe, God, that this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, for this church today that we will be a church of power. We will be a church of faith. We will be a church of new life. That I myself, go ahead, declare it to God yourself. You stand before Jesus and say, I want to be a man of power or a woman of power. I want to be a person of faith. And I want to be a person of hope and new life. God, use me. Use me. Because when I do, people will stare, people will marvel, people will be amazed, and people will call on the God that I confess, and people will get saved, and people will get healed, and God, we will reach a harvest. We will reach a harvest. Is that your prayer today? Is that your prayer today? Yes. Is that your prayer today? Come on, is that your prayer today? Is that who you want to be? Is that what you want Riverstone to be? Go ahead and tell them right now. That's who I want to be, God. I want people to stare at me so I can point them to you, God. I want people to see you in me, Jesus. Brother David Brown, as he prayed last week during the service, he said, I don't want more of David. I want more of Jesus in me. I want more of Jesus in me. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, if you're here today and you made a decision to follow Christ for the first time, I want you to, I want you to come to me today and tell me you did that. If you're here today and you want to be baptized, you want to be baptized, let me know today. You want to say, I am making this confession of faith. And right now I was kind of, I'm ready to, I'm ready to be fully in, fully in. We want to get you baptized. I want to talk to you about, talk to you if you're new to the faith, how to uh, begin that relationship with God and to follow his plan for your life. But thank you so much for being here this morning. Don't forget tonight at six o'clock. Last Sunday night, we had a service unlike any other service. We heard testimonies of God walking with people who had, who during horrible situations and bringing them new life. So tonight we're going to, we want to pray for you and pray for your family and your home tonight. So please tonight, Come and be a part of our prayer service tonight at 6 o'clock. God bless you. God bless you. If you're watching online, God bless you. And may this week be a glorious, beautiful week as God shines his power, his faith, and his new life through your life. God bless you.